The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. So here's one of the things, one of the many things I love about Wellsprings is that what I'm about to say is really nothing more and nothing less than another expression of what Chris said at the start of the service, and it was entirely unplanned. So thank you, Chris, for that. This is how you can tell we are a community that is truly growing together is when just gracefully the core lessons of who we are as a community comes through many different voices. So I'm going to preach a little bit differently today. And however, it's the first time you hear me preach, you have nothing to compare it to, so it's not different at all. But for those of you who've been around before, I'm going to preach a little differently today. I'm going to use a method called photo voice that is um, something some of you are aware of. It's using pictures to tell a story. And the story I want to tell today is about a day, in air quotes, in my life that opens up to the reality of something I've been using on social media the last four or five years, and some of the rest of us have been as well too. Hashtag ordinary praise, a way of paying attention to the rituals, as Chris said, that are embedded into our lives each day. And so the pictures I'm going to show you are not from a single day, but variations of these pictures show up in each day in my life, and I'm pretty sure in yours as well. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> the day begins. The dawn rises. Morning wakes me up. Tiknat Han says, Waking up this morning, I smile. Twenty-four brand new hours are before me. I vow to live fully in each moment and to look at all beings with eyes of compassion. I've never mastered that one in any day. It's a good day when at the very least I'm not rolling my eyes at other people or myself. I never got quite got it right. I don't think any of us does, which is why each day, <clears throat> excuse me, is such a gift. Because this is another opportunity to vow to be present, to vow to look at all the other creatures and all the other beings with eyes of compassion. So thank you for being the greatest mass of people that I've seen to this point this day, because with you all, it's an easy practice <laughs> to wake up trying to see. To know that this day to come will include, as one of my favorite bands when I was 15 years old, a band called the Celibate Rifles. Get it? Sex Pistols? Celibate Rifles? <laughs> they sang, I want to make some new mistakes. I'm sick of all the old ones. Yeah, this day I'm going to make some new mistakes. I already have. And so as a way to not just get out of bed, but to wake up. The mat and the cushion. Even if it's an incredibly busy day, at least a few moments of wakefulness to try and set my intention to pay attention, to be present in this life. Recently, I heard a story about someone describing someone else, a friend. They were describing this person in the most glowing terms, all the things they did. And my friend who was describing their friend 
couldn't quite capture what was so special about this person. So they paused for a moment after describing all the things that they did. And they said, the thing about this person is they show up. When they are there, they show up. This is why I spend time on the cushion and the mat at the start of the day. It's not to be great at the asanas. It is not to transcend this life in meditation. It is preparation for the day to come so that I can be someone who actually shows up. This is a daily practice for all of us, whatever your specific spiritual practices are or are not. And it's a challenge for all of us in this life, right? To actually show up each day and to recognize that's how the rituals, the meaning of our lives are made. Sometimes many of us have struggles doing this. I know I do. This guy does. My favorite show on television right now. I don't know how many of you know what it is. It's on Netflix. It's BoJack Horseman. It's the fifth scene. Now, if you haven't seen BoJack Horseman, let me describe it this way. It is The Simpsons meets Samuel Beckett meets Mad Men meets Talking Animals. It is about this character, Bojack Horseman, who back in the 1980s was on a very popular and very superficial family TV show called Naturally Horsin' Around. And he made a lot of money and he became a big Hollywood star. And nothing in his career has gone right since that show has been canceled. This is a show about trauma, about substance use disorder about mental health issues. Once you look past all the animal puns, it is one of the most challenging and at times beautiful shows on television. This particular shot is taken from an episode called Simply Free Churro. Churro as in the Mexican donut. And the thing that's most extraordinary about this episode, it's nothing but this for a half hour is Bojack Horseman at the funeral of his mother. His mother who lived a traumatizing life and traumatized Bojack's own life and handed it down the generations. And he is trying to say goodbye to her in a way that has integrity and meaning. And it is not easy. As a person in long-term recovery, I keep rooting that for Bojack that someday he'll get it the end of this past season, there's some indicators, but we've seen those before. It may not happen. During this eulogy, Bojack says these words. All I know about being good, I learned from TV. <laughs> and in TV, flawed characters are constantly showing people they care with these surprising grand gestures. And I think that part of me still believes that's what love is. But in real life... The big gesture isn't enough. You need to be consistent. You need to be dependably good. You can't just screw everything up and then take a boat out into the ocean to save your best friend or solve a mystery and fly to Kansas. These things happened on the show. You need to show up every day, which is so hard. Showing up each and every day. Each moment with our full, imperfect selves. 
And the way it works, right, with the values and the virtues, we can't say, I mastered compassion yesterday. Today I get to be an asshole. (laughs) It's not the way it works every day imperfectly. I think that what Bojack is talking about is something that would have made sense to him as a star of the 80s. When Foreigner asked that question, I want to know what love is. (laughs) And not in the romantic sense. Love means showing up. Being here with our imperfect and deeply vulnerable selves. It means taking to heart words like this. Give me a hand at the back, would you? Meister Eckhart the 13th century mystic who said amazing things like our most painful parting of God from God is when we take leave of God for God's sake or the very same eye with which I see God is the same eye that God sees me try and wrap your head around that these 13th century Christian koans these riddles that get us to see differently Meister Eckhart who said God is at home it's we who've gone out for a walk He's not talking like an actual walk. He's talking like absence. What happens when we make ourselves absent from the people that we share our life with? What happens when we don't pay attention? We think life is somewhere else, somewhere else at the far horizon, and we never quite reach it, and we wonder why life is so frustrating. But yet if we might realize, as Meister Eckhart and so many mystics, so many contemplatives tell us, this is life right here and right now. In our midst with each other, it will change, it will grow, because that's the nature of life in its brilliant and painful impermanence. Whatever generosity, gratitude, loveliness, decency, justice, compassion happens in our lives that we are a part of, it starts with these two simple words. Paying attention. Being here, showing up. My favorite band, The Mountain Goat, says the most remarkable thing about you standing in the doorway is that it's you and that you're standing in the doorway. I've wanted to preach about that line since I heard it the first time over a year ago. The most remarkable thing about you standing in the doorway is that it's you and that you are standing in the doorway. How easy is it to overlook our loved ones, our dear ones, our friends, our families? Again, expecting that life is somewhere else. And how remarkable is it? What a source of comfort and joy it can be to recognize our lives in the presence of others. To ask ourselves, the spirit is at home. And home can be everywhere we travel, mindfully and aware. Are we? Are we living out this meaning? What we talk about here at Wellsprings, the burning bush is blazing everywhere. And so everything might be a home. That the smallest vessels, the most intimate relationships, can be conveyors of what is truly divine.
if we pay attention. And not just to the relationships, to the truest, smallest things, the things we hold in our hands. In this case, yes, for me, it's a decaf coffee because I run too anxious to drink the caffeine. I talked about this a few weeks ago in this series. You know, they talk about how actually people who drink a cup of coffee a day live longer. They talk about that maybe it's some of the properties, some of the chemical properties of coffee, but people who study this actually think it might be something else. It's that people who drink a cup of coffee a day stop and pause and engage in something that very easily could be just what we do mindlessly, but might actually be a ritual. Stopping for a cup of coffee to gather with others, to take a sacred pause, and to slow down what it is in this life for all of us that feels so urgent when we know how this is all going to end. To pause. To draw comfort from the most simple things. Truth is, when we don't do this, it costs us. It costs other people. If you don't heal what hurts you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I experienced this recently in the parking lot of Whole Foods in Plymouth Meeting. I get so many great counterexamples of how to be human from Whole Foods. <laughs> I think it's because of, you know, the aspirational sense of what Whole Foods should be. And the fact it's just regular people who go to Whole Foods, right? That gap points at something. <laughs> I was sitting there in my car, having just parked, talking on the phone, and all of a sudden I felt on the passenger side door a thud. Not really loud, but a thud. Someone had pulled in next to me, and in opening their door, had banged it right into mine, and then just walked away. And I don't know in that moment, you see, I'm normally pretty conflict averse, but in that moment, I thought, you know what, that's what this is BS. And so I excused myself for a moment from the phone call I was on and I opened my door. I said, excuse me, sir, did you just bang your door with mine? And he started to scream at me. <laughs> he started to say, well, you are parked off center. And I looked at it later. I was parked slightly to the right. And so I took a breath and I said, well, you know, OK, but then why'd you park next to me if you thought I was so close? And also, um, I drive a Honda Fit. You drive a Suburban. <laughs> he didn't like that. And I said this very calmly. And so it went on back and forth for a little while. And I said, eventually, um, so you're not going to apologize. And he said, no. And I'll leave this part out bleeping way. And I said, have a good day. <laughs> and he went on his way and I closed my door. Kind of shaking. Because like I said, I'm pretty conflict averse. And I hadn't gone into the store yet, and he was going in as well, too. And I didn't want to run into him again. And so what I did is I went and I parked on a whole other side of the parking lot and sat there for 10 minutes until I just felt my energy calm down. I had enough for engaging conflict that day. I didn't need a round two. And as I just started to recognize that my energy was really engaged, my body was kind of tingling and energized, as I started to settle... I thought, wow, that guy came prepared for an argument. And I wondered, 
I wondered who hurt him because he was ready to bleed on me. So much of the work of this life from our families, from our negative, painful experiences, if we really want to be sources of comfort and joy, it simply comes down to this. How can we refuse to be carriers of the virus of other people's pain? So that we can be true sources of peace in this life. Another parking lot. A more pleasant one. Some of you have seen this. I've shared it with you before. It reminds me of here, Wellsprings. What would Walt Mittman do? I love that reminder. In the middle of the day, this was at the King of Prussia movies. I actually think I saw this one the day that I went to see the Mr. Rogers movie. This was a great coincidence. This was a great kind of serendipity. What would Walt Mittman do? Our worship leader, Kathy, a few weeks ago talked about reading the passage from which our mission here at Wellsprings is taken from Walt Whitman's poetry. The body and the soul being together. That's what there is there in that original poem. How are my body and soul together? How are your body and soul together? Because that's the Walt Whitman teaching I absolutely love. It doesn't matter all the words we might use about the nature of the soul or the nature of the spiritual life. As another person said, the philosopher Wittgenstein, if you want to have the best picture of what the soul is, take a look at the body. Take a look at how we're showing up. Because these days they move along quickly, right? And if we're just in passage to someplace else, it is almost impossible to truly be present. To truly live as the band, death cab for cutie, as they said, in the place where soul meets body. What would Walt Whitman do? Or what would Buddha do? Or what would Jesus do? Whoever your core teacher, your root teacher is, to ask ourselves these questions during the day is a great way to recenter and come back to our intention and just not have the speed of our lives roll right over us. Because we know how this all ends. Seriously, I saw this. Last Sunday, when I wasn't here with you all, I love heart aging and dying. And I thought, my God, is this cruel? Is this ironic? And I thought, no, this is truth. If we can love ourselves in our infirmity, in our aging, in our dying, in the inevitability of the truth that unite us all as human beings, then we can know what real love is. Then we will be less in a rush to somewhere else and more likely to be present here and to show up for and with one another in the time that we actually have with each other because none of it being guaranteed, this is where we are right now. Where else could we possibly be? This is Velveteen Rabbit love which is different than the kind of thing many of us are taught about what love is. The love that shows up in under and in all conditions. I also love this, especially at this time of the year, this Advent time of the year, that tells us don't 
run so quickly away from the darkness. Don't make the light another attachment. Wait with the darkness. Allow it to season you. It is natural. I don't own that many prayer books. This is one of them that I took and never returned from the library at Union Theological Seminary in New York City in the late 90s, and I still have it downstairs in a box somewhere. It is the New Zealand Book of Prayer. Now, I am not, obviously, an Anglican, an Episcopalian. This is the Anglican prayer book in New Zealand. And the other divinity school I went to, Yale, was like 55% Episcopalians. I know and I love a lot of Episcopalians. The Book of Common Prayer, the American Book of Common Prayer, is not one of my go-tos. I find it pretty stilted. But the New Zealand Anglican Book of Common Prayer is beautiful, rich in nature imagery for the divine. And it contains my single most favorite prayer I have ever read. It is simply called night prayer. Lord, it is night. The night is for stillness. Let us be still in the presence of God. It is night after a long day. What has been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Let it be. The night is dark. Let our fears of the darkness of the world and of our own lives rest in you. The night is quiet. Let the quietness of your peace enfold us, all dear to us, and all who have no peace. The night heralds the dawn. Let us look expectantly to a new day, new joys, new possibilities. In your name we pray. Amen. And it all comes full circle. The end of the day. What has been done has been done. What has not been done has not been done. Let it be. If we're fortunate, it will be another opportunity tomorrow. The only way we can receive that tomorrow, the only way we can let go of what our great spiritual ancestor teacher Emerson said was some nonsense that crept in the day. If your day is anything like mine, there's an awful lot of nonsense that creeps in there. That's the great thing about going to sleep. It's a chance to release it. Ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again. Fail better. Samuel Beckett, or as the Zen tradition says, one continuous mistake. I love that. I don't hear any shamefulness in that whatsoever. I'm imperfect, you're imperfect. One continuous mistake. Keep trying. Keep growing. With these words, I can lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord, etc., etc. You get all that? And at the very least, at the end of the day, I can look at myself with eyes of compassion. May you be able to do so as well. Amen. May you live in blessing. Would you pray with me?
the divine is at home in this very moment. And so we might ask ourselves, are we? Are you? Am I? Are we here in this very moment? This life of comfort and joy and pain and sorrow and awakening. This life where the most common things truly hold the imprint and the image of divinity. May we look this day upon this life and upon ourselves as the bearers of that ordinary grace and find in our lives praise. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.